the J cut and this is the K cut, a movie podcast for movie lovers. And it is that time of year. It is Oscar season. And when it comes to the K cut or films fatale, that means we go hog wild no matter how much the Academy does not understand its own audience. But we're not going to complain about that nonsense today. Instead, we're going to actually celebrate all of the subcategories. And today we're going to have our first batch of three of three different nominees. We've got production design, we've got costume design, and makeup and hairstyling. So, uh, brief introductions. My name is Andreas. Who else is joining me? I'm Rachel. I'm obsessed with international cinema, and I write for Films Fatal. James here, content creator and stay-at-home husband. Um, I do all sorts of things, and that's it. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, uh, I mean, stay-at-home husband, that's, that's quite a bit. Uh, I mean, th- this is amazing, though, because... Once again, uh, like last year, we have caught every single nominee. So, and I mean, we had like even like a, an entire month before the ceremony. So this is going to be fantastic. What we're going to do for each episode, as you'll find out in this preliminary episode, is go through each of these categories, state the nominees. We're going to go around in the roundtable and basically discuss who our favorite nominees are, give our quick rankings of all of them from top to bottom, or bottom to top, rather. And then we're going to say who's actually going to win, because that's not always the same answer. We'll also throw in some other Oscar tidbits along the way, like the hosts and the honorary awards and all that other fun stuff. Exactly. And we can even toss in snubs if we feel like something just didn't get its just desserts. So are we ready? All right. Let's do it. All right, so I'm going to kick off the first nomination group. So this is the best production design. So this involves the creation of sets, structures, props, all that stuff. This is the gestation of the settings of which these films take place. So your nominees are Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. So I feel like this is a very strong group of nominees. Uh, who wants to kick things off? I'll go. All right. Sure. What do you think? Okay, so my ranking is as follows. And oh, this was actually really tough because I thought all the nominees were actually really deserving of it. Uh, I Last, I put the power of the dog. And it, it feels weird saying that because of, of it was really well done. I just think compared to the others, I think it was... I think it's maybe just the farm setting. It was it, it seemed kind of basic to me. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Four, I had Nightmare Alley, which was actually really well done when it comes to design. I think you know, especially the era and you know having to do with traveling carnival. And then third, I did Dune. Now Dune had a fairly, I'd say it had kind of a lot of it was fairly minimal, but I think with the scope of how big that project is, I think they really pulled off something special. Especially, it's like you know, Dune is this thing that is considered for a long time was considered unfilmable. So the fact that someone can actually put a visual to it. Uh, second, I did the tragedy of Macbeth because that was just masterfully done. It was definitely one of my favorites. And then one I did West Side Story mainly because of how big that movie is. Especially like you know, recreating you know the nineteen fifties era everything for that movie and yeah i honestly think if i had to pick if i had to pick one to win i'd honestly go with west side story and who do you think that one will win uh the one that will win you know i I think it'll actually go to west side story interesting i had a very similar lineup to yours 
I did Power the Dog for similar reasons. I think it's comparable to News of the World last year, where it mostly relied on its natural setting, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just stacked up against the others. Tragedy of Macbeth, I felt, looked really cool, but it was also sort of... You know how we said a day at the office last year, where, like, this is what we know they're capable of? That's pretty much what I've got. Dune, I felt, relied more on visual effects than the actual production design in a lot of cases. Nightmare Alley, I thought, was very precise, and it did a very good sort of del Toro spin on the period era. And West Side Story, I mean, there's a reason why musicals win production design fairly reliably. And that's because I think so much of it is tied up in the mood and in what they're trying to achieve with the song, and the set has to reflect that. So it is not an easy task, and West Side Story just knocked it out of the park. That said, I think Nightmare Alley has a shot at taking it, and that's my prediction, because we kind of have this rule, it's not a hard rule, but generally each Best Picture nominee walks away with something, and I think this might be Nightmare Alley's. I think that's uh, very, very, very fair to say. My own order, uh, as much as I love this film, The Power of the Dog has also last for similar reasons. I feel like the actual production design that was there is fantastic, but compared to the other nominees, it's much smaller in scale. Don't get angry, folks, uh, here or listening. Um, I actually put West Side Story fourth. You know, it's a, it's a big leap between, you know, Power of the Dog and in this film. I feel like it's a sensational case of production design, but I felt like the other three nominees were much more creative, if that makes sense. It's, um, you know, it's something where I feel like the production design in West Side Story was fantastic, but when I hop to my third ranking, which is Nightmare Alley, Nightmare Alley is, like, I feel like the production design saves a big portion of that film because of just how much life exists within these structures, you know, the, you know, the, the aging paint on, you know, these carnival settings and, and uh, like, what's the word? Like, like the staging and whatnot. There's a lot of stuff going on. It has a lot of character. Uh, I actually placed Tragedy of Macbeth second because I feel like what they pulled off on just a sound stage, it feels like this own little abstract, uh, completely within your mind world, which I think is just perfect for this type of film. I actually placed Dune first, and I completely understand what you both are saying about it's heavy use of minimalism and special effects, but at the same time, I feel like what it does, when it does employ a lot of its production design, it's like wide in scope, but also down to the very finest details. And I think it's, I think it's just gorgeous to look at. Now, what I think is going to win, I initially, when I put this in Phyllis Fatale, said Dune, but I think Rachel's got an excellent point. I can't see Nightmare Alley beating anything else in any other category. I don't know if every Best Picture nominee is going to win something this year, because now that we have a standard 10, I think it's more likely that something might not win something. But in this particular case, I feel like Nightmare Alley actually has a damn good shot. So mm-hmm. I might just go with that as well. Yeah, that was one of the standouts of the film. So I think it it's one of the ones where it is strong enough to win. Fantastic. So... Uh, do we have anything else to say about the production design nominees? Any snubs? Um, overall, our thoughts on the category this year? I think it was a pretty decent lineup. I might have kicked out Power of the Dog, but I'm not sure what I would put instead. Um, ultimately, I have no quarrels with this. Maybe Licorice Pizza or something. But Yeah, Licorice Pizza is actually, um, actually not a bad idea. I love the Power of the Dog, and I feel like its inclusion is because of its, uh, its award season dominance. Having said that... On Films Patel, what I said was the biggest snub, even though I'm, I did not like this movie nearly as much. 
I would have put the French Dispatch here, which actually got nothing. It got not a single yeah. nomination. And I feel like that production design, I mean, it's Wes Anderson. You've got this symmetry or asymmetry going on, so many little finer details. I mean, it should have automatically been a shoo-in, I feel. I get that. I totally get that. James, what about you? I don't know. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd have to agree. Maybe swap Power of the Dog with Licorice Pizza. I mean, Power of the Dog was good. I just think it's, you know, it, it's it did great use with what was available without having to go the extra mile. And I think that's where it was like production design. And I'm like, ah, I guess it can get one, but it, you know, you don't really even focus on sets mostly, especially at the times that you spend outside. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. Um, on the topic of licorice pizza, you know, the power of the dog has so many nominations and I'm happy that it does, but licorice pizza only has three total, including best picture. So I wonder if people are put off by the story. Oh, well, I mean, it, it is one that's uh, quite polarizing and they get right into it mm-hmm. right away. I mean, it's, t- it's tough to say, but like, yeah, the production in that film is also quite stellar, so it's tough. But we're going to move away from that now. We're actually going to get into uh, not where these characters live and their stomping grounds, but rather what they are donning. So these are the, uh, the costume design nominees. Who wants to take the reins? I'll do it. Okay. Okay, so I started ranking Dune at number five. I think Dune had pretty good costumes. It just wasn't one of the movie's biggest strengths. I don't look back and think, oh, yes, the costumes were incredible for that. Cyrano, like, it deserves to be here. I think I just knocked it off for being kind of boring. Um, I I always get tired of the flouncy period pieces getting in, and it's like the larger the skirts, the more likely they win. So, you know, these were competently done, nothing special. Nightmare Alley, I think, was very good because the costumes really reflected the characters, what their role was in a given scene, their power dynamics, their history. It was really strong costuming all around. West Side Story, I put in just for the wide range of what they had. They had, like, ordinary moments. They had things that, again, suited each character. And these were also things that had to look good for dancing scenes or for the very mundane stuff. So just for that incredible range, I placed them second. But yeah, guys... It's Cruella. I think Cruella's going to win. I think Cruella is by far the strongest. It's Jenny Beaven, one of our favorites. And the sheer level of thought that went into each design, the way they stood out on their own, the way it reflected who Cruella was. And I mean, Cruella is very vicious haute couture. And she just got it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all but one of my ranking is very uh, dissimilar to yours. I actually have, and I hate that I have this last, because I feel like it's a pretty strong category this year. I have West Side Story last, only because I feel like the costumes are fantastic, but in the other films, they actually literally are a part of these characters. And it's not a slight, I mean, really, the only snub that I could have thought of this year was Spencer, but like, would I have placed it over anything else? Maybe not. Maybe I would have just shoehorned in a six nominee just to give it some recognition. But West Side Story's costumes were fantastic. Fourth, I actually have Nightmare Alley, which is saying a lot because like the sets, I feel like the costumes also kind of embody these characters where like some of these um, some of these uh, people don't really say as much as they don on the exterior to show who they are. And I feel like you know, that says a lot about you know who they are as people and what we can expect of them. And I feel like that's Admiral in and of itself. I do have to agree with uh, Cyrano, where there always has to be that one sort of uh, period piece or you know classical type of story where... But at the same at the same time, there's a reason for that. I feel like because this typically boasts the best types of outfits like this. And as 
boring and mediocre as that film was, I have to give it its dues when it comes to its uh, lively, elaborate outfits. Dune, I kind of feel differently. I get exactly what you're saying, but at the same time, I feel like there are such an array of different outfits, and so many of them say different things, and even the stuff that looks the most simplistic is hard to hard to create, and that's where it comes from. It's not necessarily making them, but it's the, the creation of them, and how much they speak in terms of the histories behind them that I feel like is fantastic, but... There's no um, there's no discussion here. Cruella's number one. I feel like it's very weird to talk about it on, on this level. But I feel like it's like, you know, because it's like a live-action Disney film. But it's frankly incomparable. And as you said, Jenny Beaven is a, is a legend. And it just, just the film's premise alone of having uh, Estella or Cruella, whichever you prefer, being this, um, this fashion revolutionary in this field boasts all of these incredible designs and then even if you look at like the smaller characters like the everyday everyday people walking around even those are well done so yeah this is a runaway contest Corella is my favorite and it's probably gonna win one question if jenny even showed up in a jean suit for um mad max what do you think she's gonna show up for for this ceremony if it's not like monochromatic black and white i'm gonna be so disappointed <laughs> it's gotta be james what about you all right, so I actually put Cyrano 5 just because I think it just did exactly what it expected it to do, so there wasn't anything that was really a wow factor. I put Dune at 4, and I thought the costumes were good, but I think we've seen everything as far as fashion is concerned in sci-fi, so this one didn't really have anything that stood out particularly as particularly unique. I put West Side Story. Now, this is a hard one because I always think I'm also going back to the original costumes, and I think they did a good job replicating with this updated version. So it, it was kind of like a, I don't know, I kind of just, it just sat in the middle for me. Nightmare Alley, I put it too, because I think it seems like there's a lot more nuance to the co- to the costumes than a lot of people might notice right off the bat. Especially like, what do you do a period piece like that, especially when that takes place in like an interesting era like that, especially you're doing like, you know, carnivals and stuff like that. I think they just really hit the mark. And obviously, Cruella's number one. I mean, you can't have a film about people in fashion and not nominate them. I mean, that scene where she lights the white dress on fire to reveal the red one, not only as an effect, but just fashion-wise, I'm just like, yep, that needs to win. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. That, that, that's it. That's all you needed. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh Overall, uh, what do we think of the category? Any major snubs? I already, I already um, gave a shout out to Spencer, but any other, any other misses? You know, nothing really stands out to me. Like there are certainly very competent costumes out there, but just nothing that really knocked me off my socks. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, how often is costume design nominee bad? Like it's yeah. it's one of those things. I don't think it's like you you have to be really you have to be really off your game if costumes are bad. It's uh, it's tough when it comes to the academy because um, I feel like these tech and art categories almost always get them right. Even if I don't like the film, like some Michael Bay stuff for sound mixing and editing, they absolutely deserve to be there typically because that's where they excel. It's like the bigger ones that they slip up the most because they pertain more to these campaigns and nonsense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, as much as I don't care for Cyrano, it's campaign one and it wound up here, but I think it kind of deserves to be here for our costumes. If if it was for like screenplay or something, I think I'd be eating my own hat. Exactly. I'm still not like, over Peter like, Dinklage's voice. I'm sorry, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, 
it's not the worst thing about that film, but then again, that says a lot as well. So anyway, moving on, um, we're going to go into the, uh, the best makeup and hairstyling categories. James, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Uh, at number five, I put Coming to America. It was good, but this is one of the rare instances where I guess like the movie itself kind of knocked points off for its credibility. It seems like it's the one-off nominations are so weird because it's like it always ends up being like some film that it's like you don't expect to get an award. And it's like the did they just sort of like give this to him to create a diverse lineup? I mean, it was still, you know, they were done very well, but uh four i put dune because i didn't really think there was anything that striking about makeup and hair really i I, I think it's just because it's sci-fi i think it's like i don't know like what do i gauge against like sci-fi is so expansive in how much material and how many different styles there are i mean like i said before though i do give them credit for you know the vision they had for this considering the history of the work itself and the troubles of people trying to make it and failing uh, three up house of Gucci I thought was done well but I found just everything about that movie to be average yeah that's understandable like especially I I, I guess I expected more from a movie about Gucci <laughs> like it was okay but at the same time it's like there's there's so many places that could have gone uh, two I put Cruella because I thought the makeup was just as good the hair and makeup was just as good as the costumes and then for one I put the eyes of Tammy Faye because I think the makeup and hair on Tammy just by itself wins. Uh, Rachel, what about you? Do you carry similar sentiments? Yeah, actually, I put Dune fifth because, like James said, nothing special. Um, I put Corella fourth just because I think it was so overshadowed by the costumes and the sort of mod mood that the makeup didn't really jump out at me. House of Gucci, it was fine. The cast looked pretty cool. They complemented all the fashions. And so, you know, pretty good. That's a solid number three. Coming to America, I did for all the wild stunt makeup, quite similar to the first movie, which I think was quite strong. And I think it's significant that a movie that came out last February, so before even last year's Oscars, held on in the makeup uh, voters league long enough to be voted in. I think there's some real staying power in that. And so for number one, I also put The Eyes of Tammy Faye just because it's so integral to the character of Tammy and her appearance is really, really reflective of her story and her arc. And I don't think the movie would have worked without competent makeup. And so because it's that important to the story, I put that as number one and I think it's going to take it. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like once again, I'm, I'm quite different outside of placing uh, Coming to America last. I mean, I don't think it's a bad nominee, but I do think it's the weakest of the bunch, especially because it's more seldom used. It's used more so when it comes to the flashback scenes when, um, you know, when it comes to being being unable to differentiate between the actual usage of the previous film and what they shot for this one when it comes to how like eddie murphy and arsenio hall look that's pretty impressive and then you have like you know the return of their cameo characters where they play like everybody in the barber shop and they look even better than ever and that's also really nice but still i feel like it's like the weakest example because i feel like it's just more plentiful in these other films um, you know, the actual usage of makeup and hair as well as it is in these other films. Um, I actually placed Cruella la- or fourth after that because 
I feel like on actual Cruella herself, this stands out really, really, really heavily. But I feel like with a lot of the other characters, it's a little bit more standard. Still fantastic, and I feel like it's a worthy nominee. But I feel like there's, it's just more prominent with the other characters in the other films. Uh, House of Gucci, I feel like, is you know in the middle as well. I play Seth third. Um, you know, the only thing that could have made Jared Leto even less cartoony is like just you know this makeup job that kind of you know somewhat saves his performance not otherwise really. in general i feel like the makeup and not really uh, i feel like in general the makeup and hair is done really well here i actually have tammy faye at number two i feel like it's just so hyper realistic when it comes to you know transforming jessica chastain into tammy into tammy faye baker um i feel like you can't you, like you just cannot leave this film not acknowledging just how good it is and, um, you know, this film itself wasn't fantastic, but it only got two nominations. And I feel like they are exactly the ones that the film deserved, this being one of them. And otherwise, I feel like I'm greatly against the grain here. I actually have Dune first. First and foremost, I feel like Stellan Skarsgård alone, his makeup is just absolutely phenomenal. I feel like um, when it when it comes to like the purposefully um, you know weather beaten hair of like a lot of uh, a lot of the characters that you see, I feel like there's a lot of like really creative makeup stuff kind of being utilized. I feel like it's really good. Having said it, this was my original ranking on Films Fatale. I still kind of feel like Dune is the best, but in my heart, I, I'm starting to feel like Tammy Faye's maybe a little bit better, so maybe I would place it first. But at the end of the day, I do think it's going to win. I feel like the eyes of Tammy Faye pretty much has this in the bag, and that's all she wrote. Cool. So before we finish up this segment, uh, do you want to talk for a minute about the Governor's Award winners for this year? Ah, yes, I just need to pull up yeah. a list. <laughs> so this year, I'll, I'll save you a minute, the winners, okay, so there's usually the Honorary Oscar, the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, and sometimes the Irving G. Talberg Award, that one was not given out. The Gene Herschel Award is for Humanitarian Acts, and this year it went to Danny Glover. Now, I had no idea how much of a humanitarian Danny Glover is, but this man has been involved in so many different causes all the way across the board for pretty much all of his adult life and just the sheer amount of stuff he's done it really tells me that yes this was the right recipient this year and i never knew this about him so i hope that a lot of people who only know him as an actor will find this out too yeah that's that's what i love about this type of award it um it's it, it humanizes because let's be honest in this industry a lot of people are famous faces and they're known for like how they entertain and sometimes people, the general public, miss out on the more generous stuff that they do. So I feel like this is a, an excellent way to shout out some excellent work. Exactly. And then the Honorary Academy Award, which is usually for really long careers or a really st stunning achievement. Um, we've got Samuel L. Jackson, who, of course, is iconic. He's one of the few actors I would consider to be an icon in this day and age. And he's been working forever. Elaine May, who put her mark on comedy, and I think, well, film comedy wouldn't be the same without her and her work with Mike Nichols and just decades and decades of work. And then Liv Ullmann, who is probably one of the greatest actresses of the 20th century, of course worked extensively with Bergman, and really helped put Scandinavian cinema on the map as well. And has never won for some reason. No, it's mind-boggling that she's never won. She's like the Isabel Huppert of her time, just brilliant, barely recognized, um, by the Academy anyway. I feel like two, at least two of these when it comes to um, Ullman and Samuel L. Jackson are almost like 
the Academy's way of saying, we're, we're sorry. sorry you never won for stuff. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to give you this honorary one. Don't worry, Peter O'Toole got one as well, so it counts for something. You know, like, that's what I feel like it means. Well, Henry Fonda got one because they thought he was done for, and then he won for real the next year. <laughs> yeah, and they did the same thing with Inu Morricone. They were like, here's a, here's a legacy one. And luckily, before he passed away, he actually ended up winning a competitive one for the Hateful Eight. So it's like, you never know. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't have a chance yet. So, uh, but yeah, all, again, like, shout out to Lane May, who's also fantastic. So I feel like these are all a great... You know, they're great selections. James, what do you think? You know, it's funny. I never, I always forget there's honorary awards, if I'm being honest. Why don't they televise those awards? They do, but they have them, they record them beforehand. And then they do a little thing on the show where they're like, oh, and then these people won. Yay. Round of applause. Okay, back to the other awards. Yeah, they really don't highlight it. And it's really embarrassing. It's 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 not right. Yeah, I, di- I didn't know Danny Glover was such a... F- you know, humanitarian. Then again, a lot of those celebrities who were really into that kind of stuff don't talk about it. Yeah. Like like how Keanu Reeves regularly gives to like children's hospitals, but it's like one of those things he never talks about himself. I don't know. At least they give awards for that kind of stuff. Like the industry people are more than just entertainers. And I think some people forget that sometimes. They do. Yeah. A lot of people use, uh, again, famous faces as their own form of escape and they don't allow them to be people as well in their own right. So... I feel like that this is a, a great way of um, of showcasing, yeah, again, this side of, of entertainers. So that's, I think, all we're talking about for this episode. It is. So if you uh, tune in next time, it's going to be uh, in a couple of days on Thursday. We're actually going to have another batch of lovely nominees. We're going to be covering all the Audible stuff. So we're covering, not the film Audible, mind you, which is also a nominee. We'll get to that next week. I'm talking about the best sound, best score, and best song categories. So you might want to stay tuned for that. (laughs) You heard what I did there? Uh, Unfortunately, I've lost our entire audience now with that terrible pun. I apologize. And in the meantime, if you want to catch up with us on the internet, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the K-Cut, and if you have time to explore the films of yesteryear, we're doing the Sterile Cuckoo for our collective smorgasbord, and the three individual picks are Wait Until Dark, Bully, and Being There. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. That was the K-Cut. We are now going into the archive.